1: I don't want to be too melodramatic about any one game in the in the National Football League because as soon as you start saying this is a must win or that was, you know, a lot of people thought last week at Houston was a must win and for good reason, and they did not win. Um, so that makes the next game the must win, right? But all I know is this, that, you know, games have momentum, seasons have momentum, and when you've lost four in a row, that's a month of losing. Like, think about the last time that these guys won a football game, right? I mean, it has been forever ago. And you can't remember that feeling as a football team. You want it again desperately, but it has been so long. And, and then it will take, you know, almost a month of winning to get yourselves straightened out and back over 500 and back into the race. So, yes, with the Tennessee Titans coming to Raymond James Stadium, a team that has not won on the road themselves this year, uh, and a rookie quarterback in Will Levis, who's very, very good, I think, but as green as you can be. He's only. Started a couple games. Now Mike Vrabel's team is always going to be tough defensively. Always going to be very physical and give you a tough time. Try to beat you up, and it's going to be it's going to be a fight in the trenches. There's no doubt about that. But I I cannot remember. It's been a while where there is a more important game for a a coaching staff, uh, a quarterback. I mean, think about all the things that are on the line right this season, and. At the top of the list might be Baker Mayfield and, and Todd Bowles. And those two guys now um are, are as they have been fighting for their futures, but really the seat is pretty hot right now, I would think, with Todd Bowles. And it's just really hard to to figure out how you're not going to if you lose this game and you've lost five in a row, and now you're three and six, you're going to San Francisco, man. And that is not an easy trip on the on the best years. And you're going against a really good 49ers team who, yeah, is coming off a bye and they've they've lost they had lost three in a row going into it. You don't know what they're going to do before you get there. But at the end of the day, that is not a game you will any remotely be favored to win. So now, five losses in a row become six losses in a row, and you're three and seven. The season's pretty much done at that point. Like you you could literally probably not lose another game and think that you're going to have a chance. At a playoff, so that's how important this Tennessee game is. Um, you know, you win this, could you absorb another loss uh, that's not in the in the division? Yeah, you could. Um, so that's that's sort of in your favor, but they have to they have to to win or, and or continue to play well at least on offense. And you know, the big problem has been the defense, especially this last month. I mean, I know the team did not score points. Uh, in those three straight losses and then they scored thirty seven, which is as many as they had scored the three previous week down in Houston, and that certainly should be enough to win. But they've got issues and, and for as much as you know maybe they've figured some things out on offense and we can talk about that with um you know Rashad White and, and catching the ball and those sort of things, it's the defense now that would be your biggest concern. And particularly the combination of rush and coverage They have not gotten that right all year. We've seen big plays on third down. We've seen big plays that have gone for touchdowns, and certainly a week ago with what C.J. Stroud did, setting an NFL record with 470 yards, five touchdown passes, including bringing his team down in in just 40 seconds and scoring with four seconds to go. And Carlton Davis uh, was the culprit on three of those touchdown passes. And I'm here to tell you, I've seen some bad days from corners, uh, I have. I've seen Rondy Barber, especially you know when he was a young player, as a rookie, just, just have a terrible time uh, in certain games. But to see a player as established as Davis has been, I mean, just last week, Jamar Chase came out and said he was the best corner he had ever faced. He's gone against him twice. Um, but to see him struggle the way he has, not, not especially in this past game, but also pretty much all season, is, is really surprising. And I, I give him credit because he stood up there the other day and, you know, he hadn't practiced, so he could have ducked us and said, hey, I, you know, I didn't practice today. I got a toe injury, whatever. But with a little, you know, pushing from Nelson Louise, the, the Bucks' the vice president of communications over there, you know what he said? I'm going to face the music. I'm going to do it right away. And he stood up there and he said, everything you'd want to hear from a player, you know, that, look, it happened and it hurt and it's the worst thing that can happen to any corner. But, you know, you've got to move on. Um, I can't stay stuck in that moment. You know, this, you can't produce off of it. Like, I can't allow it to affect me and so on and so forth. And he, he basically apologized. He said, "I, you know, I I feel bad, not just for my team, but for the fans, the city of Tampa. I mean, that might be a little too much. Um, and then, you know, he, he said it was like a nightmare come true. So, you know he got criticism from a lot of corners no less than a pro football hall of fame player who played his position ronde barber who was still around the organization a great deal um calls their games in the preseason does film breakdown every week for their website so he's around he's over there and you know carlton didn't disagree with him he said you know anyone who you know concerning our performance negatively neg- negatively like barber is is probably right and he said you know we watched the film together and we just it was just so nasty it was wor- it was worse to even watch and i didn't even want to watch it i almost closed my eyes <laughs> he's like and i'm part of it but like that's life it happened and he goes you got to own up to it and you, you're not going to go shy away from from sort of what happened so he has owned it um he says that uh he'll probably spend some time talking to Labonte David or, you know, give Rondi a call even, but he's a veteran and he has bounced back. It's not his first rodeo as he told us. And he said, you know, we, we've got to use this and the way we're playing to kind of channel it and channel our energy and then go out there and, and, you know, be, be the best defense on the field. And, um, He's going to be watched closely, and he hasn't made enough plays. They played a lot of zone, and he doesn't care. He's like, hey, zone, man, it doesn't matter. I can't put that on tape. I can't be that guy and lose the game for our team. So fascinating sort of bounce-back opportunity for that entire secondary. And it's not just them either because the pressure or the lack of pressure on the quarterback has been um, very noticeable. You know, I know that uh, Shaq Barrett, had a strip sack, I think they they've got a, they got a couple sacks last week, but it's just not been real consistent. And you need that combination of coverage to help those guys get there, and then you need those guys to get there to help with the coverage. So, as Todd Bowles says all the time, it goes hand in hand. And it really does. And they just haven't put that together consistently um, this season. But they have a chance again in another rookie quarterback. Um, you know, obviously he's got weapons and DeAndre Hopkins and others. So you gotta watch out for the deep ball. He's another good deep ball thrower, very natural deep ball thrower. And they gotta they gotta start turning these rookies and, and, and giving them trouble. You know, Todd Bowles has to dial up some things they haven't seen, and then the guy's gotta go execute it behind it. And so uh, another great opportunity if they were to win this game, uh regardless what happens in San Francisco, they're still in it. Uh they got some easier games coming up, one at Indianapolis, they got you know A bunch of NFC South games with, you know, two against Carolina, one in Atlanta, one home against New Orleans. So they've got time, but it is definitely slipping through their hourglass here. And uh, they've backed themselves into a corner here where there's almost no margin for error whatsoever. We'll break down this matchup a little bit more here. But first, uh, you know, for the past 14 years, the skill pros at May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems all over the state of Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Now, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May electric solar backed by solar insurer means your roof electrical and equipment replacement is covered. Solar insurer even survives may electric solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May electric solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership to learn more. About May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2662 or visit MayElectricSolar.com. All right, so we know what they have to do defensively. I I think this game will be critical in the sense that the Bucks finally have sort of found a little bit of rhythm on offense and have found some answers for what teams have been able to do against them, namely stop the run. And and the biggest answer is if you're going to double our outside receivers, if you're going to play cover two and all of that, then we're going to get man-to-man coverage with our running back out of the backfield. Now, we can't run the ball very well, but here's what the Bucs have done very well. They've thrown it to Rashad White. And since he got here, Rashad White showed that he has just natural pass-catching catch- ability. He has great hands. Um, he's you know very balanced on his feet. And the thing is, if, when you get him in space like that, which in, invariably you will, especially if they're playing coverage behind it, um, he's got to make one guy miss. And believe me, he's very capable of that, either running through them, around them, spinning them, juking okay. them, whatever, stiff-arming into to the ground like we saw last year when we were in Germany. Rashad White... Uh, is an effective receiver out of the backfield. He could do this, I think, if he kept himself in shape. Just this job, as as a pass catcher, for probably the next ten years. Now, again, he you know fancies himself as an every down back, and and the last couple weeks he's gone well over the one hundred yard you know rushing and receiving mark. So he's starting to become consistent now, you know, and has shown power. At times when he needed to down near the goal line, he scored a couple of one-yard touchdowns You know, just this past week. Um, And I really like what they have done with him in the pass game. I wish they had gotten to it a little bit earlier. But Baker Mayfield gets the ball out of his hands fast, gets it to Rashad White, get a positive play. It's like an extended handoff in a sense. And then they're able to move the chains. And he's also done a nice job, especially in this pass game, Mayfield did of finding Kate Otten, because you know with all the run action they do, you're you're going to have a lot of one and two tight end sets, and Kate Otten is always going to give you a kind of a a run block look, you know, to start the play. Um, but it's it, they've been really good this these past couple of weeks, but this last game in particular of sort of you know him blocking down on somebody, then releasing and finding a soft spot in the zone over the middle, and Baker has put the ball on him and. You know, I thought he had one of the best games really of his career. uh he's never scored two touchdowns like he did, including what would have would would have and probably should have been the game winner so hats off to Kate Otten because this tight end room is very young, hadn't been really productive with Coke Keefe and you know some of the other guys, but you know they, they he certainly is getting it done for him now, and that's exactly. What they needed, they they needed some options away from Godwin and away from Evans, and then as teams adjust, you know, to try to, you know, stop Kate Otten from that seam route, or, you know, maybe we should put more resources over on the side of the ball for a shot. Then you'll start seeing the one on ones come back, and they'll be able to get the ball downfield. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. Um, but you know, I, I I think that, I think Canalis has done a good job, and I also think just in this past week, by the way. But I also think that Aaron Stinney stepping in for Matt Filer a couple weeks ago has made a difference, right? Um, turns out, and I don't, you know, Filer hurt his knee and he played through it and he finished the game, and God bless him for that. But it turns out that Stinney might give them a little bit more. And Filer is healthy this week. At least he is, he is at least limited in practice. Uh, I think he does have a sleeve on his knee or something like that. But my information is that if and when he's ready, when when Matt Filer is ready to go, he's not getting his starting job back. Aaron Stinney's going to keep that for as long as he continues to play well, because they just like what they've gotten from him. And there's no there's no harm in that, no embarrassment in that. That's football. That's the way it is from, you know, pee way on up. You just you know you you can't take a rep off because somebody might actually do a better job and keep your job. So, but I think the plan is would be for you know Stinney to continue at that guard spot. Um, and you know, I think they're a better offensive line. I think the rushing stats and just the way the running backs feel, you know, sort of proves that. So little minor change there, maybe perhaps in the lineup. One final thing on the offense, you know, I, this whole week and the whole narrative would have been different if not for the defensive collapse in the final 46 seconds or 40 seconds is what it took to get down there. Um, the narrative would have been – this week would have been about Baker Mayfield because you have to go back to that final drive. And they, they left points off the board, and they kicked field goals early in the game and all of that. I get it. Um, but think about what they overcame in that last drive to get it in the end zone to take the lead finally. You know, they had a situation where, you know, you you, you had to get – you had to convert on fourth down, and Baker did that. He ran for a first down. They had an eight yard loss on first down. You know, um, they had a fumble. Trey Palmer catches the ball, he's running with it, everything's cool, he loses the ball, and alertly and aggressively, Mike Evans is able to recover it and preserve the drive. And then they hit the stick throw, you know, by Baker Mayfield after a communication prior to the play, stuff they had seen on film uh in the red zone where they have struggled that you know Kate Otten was gonna make a certain move. Uh, and Baker put it on him, and all of that tied in a bow would have been okay. This is this was Baker's moment. This is this was his Tampa Bay. I'm here to stay. Type of, type of I can bring you back. I can put you on my shoulders. We can win games. Doesn't matter if the defense doesn't play well. Like that's how important it was. Uh, and instead of us, you know, writing in, in, about the celebration that they have about what Baker was able to do. Um it's just disappointment. You know what I mean? There's there's he sat there after the game sort of in stunned disbelief, but you know, the focus is, is not on Baker, it's not on his great drive, it's on something else. But he did make it. Uh and I think you have to give them credit for you know going down and scoring the points and, and it was certainly enough points to win in the National Football League, you know, probably nine out of ten times, but it did not happen. And uh it's just it's it's a tough, tough loss and, and Mayfield uh will have to wait for another moment that, that he can have to bring his team back in the fourth quarter or overtime. Because that's that's you know, sort of you remember quarterbacks that are able to do that. The poise, the moxie. Um that's what separates them from the average guy. And I thought that uh I thought that Mayfield played really, really well. Uh, not just in the game, but especially late in the game. They they stammered around the third quarter. They went three and out. I didn't like Canales' play calling when they came out of the locker room. Had a little momentum. Then he goes run for a yard, run for zero yards, uh, incomplete pass, and then we're off the field again. <laughs> so it wasn't like it was perfect, um, but big steps forward for uh, Canales and for the Bucks offense. All right, we had a couple of mailbag uh, questions that we weren't able to get to, so we can uh, take some of those before we end the week.
0: All right, we'll start with Buck Tank, who says, do you believe Todd Bowles was handcuffed in 2022 by keeping the offensive coaches? And if you do, has Todd Bowles handcuffed Dave Canales by handcuffing him with the offensive line coach and run game coordinator?
1: Um, I don't know that, that, that Todd Bowles was handcuffed because he had to keep the entire staff. I mean, I suppose... Yes, you do. if you're going to be a head coach, you do want to pick your staff. But these weren't guys he didn't know. These weren't guys that he didn't like personally. Um, These weren't guys that weren't good coaches. Uh, These weren't guys that didn't win a Super Bowl with him just a couple of years earlier. Now, it's his right to make the change, and he couldn't make it when he was first hired, and that's tough. Um, Are they going to be much better than a division champion in eight and nine? I don't know they're can win nine games, they can win ten, like I don't know, um, you know there's a lot of factors in last year with 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 what went on with Tom and you know uh, off the field on the field, all that stuff, the injury to Ryan Jensen is so much played into it um you know that that I just i don't think I don't feel like he was handcuffed i think what what he told me was when things weren't going well on offense, because they let Byron and, and Tom kind of handle it, what what was different was that Bruce Arians, while he was there physically and would roll out on his golf cart at practice, he wasn't the guy on the sideline that could tweak it. You know, it's Bruce's offense. He could make a few subtle changes. He could, you know, add this, take away that, uh, and, and he could he could show results, you know, when things weren't going quite right. Um, and so I think that part probably hurt Todd. Now, every coach should and, and be allowed to hire his own staff. And for whatever reasons, he got rid of a lot of people on that staff. He did not get rid of, you know, the offensive uh, run game coordinator, Harold Goodwin. He did not get rid of their offensive line coach. And I think you could have made very good reasons for doing so. Um, but in his mind, they were okay you know, and that's the coach's purview too. He can do these job reviews and, and they can come out any way you want to. But all I know is that if you're last as in last, uh, in rushing yards, you know, and all of that, and and even attempts, which really galled them to no end, then you kind of have to own everything in football. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, you can't blame the guys before you. Um, so, I don't think he's handcuffed this year either. I, I think that he's got a new offensive coordinator who is never called plays since Carson High School, you know, 15 16 years ago. Um and he knew it would take time. It's probably taking a little more time than he thought. Uh but, you know, losing is tough. You know, you got to find a way to do these things while still winning the games and staying relevant. And even if you don't win them all, you know, you you, you certainly want to keep keep pace. So, um I don't – I think Todd Bowles has what he wants, and I think that he's going to be judged like any other coach should be based on his results. Um, And and yet, I think it was hard for him to find the right offensive coordinator. A lot of guys came through here, and his seat is hot right now because, like we said, he's got to find a way to win this game and get to San Francisco – Maybe you come back with a 500 record, but even if you're just one or so below, you're still very much in it with all the NFC South games. So it's getting it's getting tough for Todd. Um, but handcuffed, I don't think he's handcuffed. I, I think that he's having to go through the growing pains of a new offensive coordinator. But that is exactly what he chose uh, his his you know his course his path this year. So he has to he has to own the results of that. John had tweeted us. He says, looking at the stats, there's virtually no difference
0: between Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield's first eight games in the last two seasons. The same win-loss record, quarterback rating, yards per attempt, completion percentage, sacks, and more. Unless something changes, how could Baker not be the 2024 Bucks quarterback?
1: Well, I don't think that, you know, if we're just looking at last year and what Brady did, yes, you know, he, he played okay, threw for a lot of yards and all that. Um, won enough games to win the division, which was great. And I've seen these set stats trotted out after 80 games. You can go even further back. After 80 games, Baker Mayfield's passing numbers are very remarkably similar to Tom Brady's. You know, um, how could he not be back? It's an interesting question. We simply don't have all the information because there's too much season ahead of us. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like to say, that win-loss records belong to the quarterback, that they just belong to the head coach. But if you go and look in some stats that we always use, there's a win-loss record on the quarterbacks. (laughs) So um, it's a little like pitching, right? Like, you know, when should you get credit for one or the other? Um, But Baker's a free agent. And regardless of whether he stays here or doesn't stay here, there's going to be a negotiation process, right? He's compiling an argument. He's making a case for for him to remain here or to go some to some other team. And so every time he's out there, that's sort of his resume. Um now, what's the what's the market value he's going to be seeking? Because remember, they don't have any exclusive rights of Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield goes out here and wins the rest of the games and throws for another four thousand yards or something, Guess what? The Bucks will just be like any other team. Now, I think he'll recognize that of the places he's been in the last 15 months, he feels the most at home here. And I believe he does. Like, I've seen the smile on his face. Um, I've seen him hang out with his teammates. And, you know, he, he's been through some organizations that have different agendas, and um, you never know where you stand and all that stuff. He likes sort of the, the calmness right now. Uh, of how these guys go to work and how positive they are and, you know, they don't take anything for granted and so on and so forth. And I think I think stability is probably what Baker's looking for. Um But how could he not? Well, he could not if somebody blows him away. Or if the Bucs don't win enough games and they're picking in, in a range for one of the top three, four quarterbacks that they really, really like and they don't have any salary cap money, you know they're probably going to take the rookie. So, a lot of scenarios I could paint. Yes, he's playing. I think good football late. Um, probably about what you'd expect from the start of the season. And, he, and I think he's turning the corner. I think he's going to get better as the year goes on. Um, so I don't think it was a bad decision to sign him. Resigning him though, is not just the Bucks' decision. You know, it's going to come down to what leverage does he have. Whether wherever, whatever place could he go um there's a lot of that uh so yes you know the more he wins the more likely he'll want to stay here and the bucks will be willing to make that investment but none of it is an absolute and you know and and baker has had bad games and he's had really good games and he's just got to kind of smooth that line out and try to be consistent each week if he does that i think the bucks would be delighted to have him back if that's what he wants to do
0: david asked just curious Has there been any talk of moving Devin White to outside linebacker? I feel he would thrive there and require more attention than Joe Tryon Shawinka, helping to free up Shaq
1: Barrett and Vita Vea. I have not heard that. Um, Could he play outside linebacker or, you know, be on the edge like that? Yeah, he probably could, but he's not, you're not 258. He's, you know, 240, you know what I'm saying? So like. That's a physical. You're going up against 300-pound men every single play in a combat situation. I don't think you're utilizing his skill set that way as much because, um, even though he's a strong guy, like so much, so much of his game is his wheels. And so, I think leaning on you know some of the big offensive linemen might not be the way to go. He's an inside linebacker. He's got to improve on on his pass coverage and zone and man. He's got to play a complete game. You know, he, he needs to be a guy that doesn't take plays off. There's a lot of room for improvement, but I don't know, and I have not heard, I don't think that there's any, you know, momentum or plans to move an outside linebacker. Although, Todd Bowles is very creative, and sometimes you might see him stand up there in an outside linebacker position. I don't think that would shock me, uh, but it'll certainly look like they're moving him around and you do want to create favorable matchups for your best defensive player. And I think, I really do think that's how they, you know, between him and Antoine Winfield Jr., sort of how they view who is best and, and who might be the MVP and so on.
0: post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today
1: all right so we took care of some of those uh mailbag questions we didn't get get to the other day hey something uh that that happened with the lightning and we didn't really mention it yet but zach bogosian was traded so what precipitated that and you know sort of what are they going to miss with without him well, I, I think probably a couple things precipitated that. I think,
0: you know, one, he's either the seventh or eighth defenseman on this team. Um, he's not in your top six, so, you know, whether he's seven or eight, Hayden Flurry and, and him are the seventh and eighth defenseman. Um, right. I, I'm guessing he probably wanted to change the scenery because he's not playing every day. I think he feels that. And, and ultimately, there's a $850,000 cost savings on the salary cap for the Lightning, uh, okay. which they could use for somewhere else. Uh, if they mm-hmm. if they need to, so my guess is is, uh, you know the Lightning probably you know no he's not a top six defenseman on their team, and you know he probably wanted a change of scenery so that he could to play more often, and he's going to be reunited with Pat Maroon in
1: Minnesota, so yeah, that'd be a good pairing, kind of a win win for both guys, and and when he played he played okay, it just mm-hmm. like you said he just didn't seem to really. Have a defined role and got on the ice as much as uh, as much as you might he well, might have expected
0: as to. the right-handed shot defenseman. I mean, when they signed him, you know, you kind of you only had really Chernak on that right side, and you know, last year you saw Nick Perbix and Darren Radish take huge steps and, and bypass right. Zach Bogosian on that right side. So, you know, that's the good thing of having young guys push if you're the Lightning. Yeah. because it it kind of pushed Zach Bogosian to the fourth right side defenseman. And so, you know, whether expendable or whether Zach just wanted to change the scenery. uh, But he was part of the 2020 Stanley Cup team. So he does have his name on the cup with the lightning. That's right. Uh, You know, he signed that um, kind of at the trade deadline, but he was released by Buffalo. So they acquired him right at that trade deadline. But that wasn't a trade. They got Coleman and Goodrow in trades that year. but Zach Bogosian was a just a signing. And that was his first playoff run because he had played in Buffalo for years. Atlanta and Buffalo, never been to the playoffs. So he's a Stanley Cup champion with the Lightning.
1: Yeah, he'll have his return. <laughs> I'm sure they'll have Zach Bogosian highlights, whatever uh, whatever they can keep. But um, they, I think it's it shows that they're developing good players and that you know they they have the depth um, to part with a player like that that did help them win a Stanley Cup. So. Um, there's been a number of those, but this is just another one, and, and I don't think this one will will hurt as much. I think they know they're dealing from strength yeah. here, and uh, kind of giving him a chance to play somewhere else. so That's good. So now January, right, well, January 18th, they'll have it'll be Maroon and Bogosian returning. That'll be that. Now that's the night you want because Maroon's going to get an enormous ovation, and there's so many funny um, videos of him with uh, boat yeah. the boat parades and the Minnesota man stadium. now. The, he's minnesota, no longer florida man, man. he's florida minnesota man, man. <laughs> he's a minnesota man yeah he's minnesota he's wild you know he's definitely <laughs> wild that makes sense so uh yeah he's kind of joe smith's problem now i guess <laughs> out there in minnesota the old uh, tampa bay times hockey writer went to the athletic he's now uh out there in minneapolis uh covering that team so yeah that'll be a fun time when those when those guys make it back here okay well it's going to be bucks of course against the titans one o'clock on sunday very, very, very important game for Todd Bowles, for Baker Mayfield, for that defense, for Carlton Davis. Uh, if he's able to play all those guys, they have got to get the dub. Doesn't matter. It's just by one point. Somehow, some way, offense, defense, special teams, their backs up are against it. And they have not played well at home. The Titans have not won a game on the road. Uh, so perhaps something's got to give right there on Sunday at 1 o'clock. So we'll be back. To talk to you about that on uh, Monday morning. Thanks for listening all week long. We do appreciate it. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud, Tampa Times. Have a great, great weekend, everybody.